My Bible? It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. In the book of Luke, chapter 4, 12, and 13, you'll find these words. It says, And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil, somebody say the devil. Yeah. When the devil had ended every temptation. So the tempter we let, learned last week is the devil. So that same devil is tempting you today, tempting me today, tempting us in everything we do. So now when the devil ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Amen? You may be seated. Till an opportune time. I want to thank God, God for all of you that are in the house today and those that are online I want to acknowledge you. I pray that you'll find this time with, uh, meaningful uh, to your soul and your spirit today. It's going to be our second sermon in this series that we've entitled Triumphing Over Temptation. And I made it clear through the definition what temptation is. We said temptation is to, is to entice to do wrong by promise of pleasure or gain, to entice to do wrong. Definition number two says a de desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. Number three says a thing, a course of action that attacks or, uh, or tempts someone. And the fourth de definition dealt with the word allurement. It allured those toward sins or trials, sometimes even difficulties that believers go through. This process is like the solicitation to do something which is evil. Now, I said that fighting or struggling against temptation is an ongoing battle. I mean, the Bible has a lot of places all throughout the Bible for God's people being tempted. So the key thing for you to remember is that knowing that you're in this battle, it is not a sin to be tempted. Amen? That's good news. Somebody ought to say amen right there. It is not a sin because between now and last Sunday, there's a good possibility that 50% of y'all sitting in here was tempted in some way, shape, fashion, or form. It's almost a good possibility. If I would ask for a show of hand, Cliff, that every hand would go up if everybody would be honest for just one moment. You know what I mean? At least we're in the house of God. So it's a good possibility this battle of temptation did not end when we got through preaching last week and you say, hey, it's going to pick up again this week. No, it left here with you. Amen. Amen. So it's good news that to be tempted is not sin, but that to yield to those temptations, you know, could be a problem. Amen? So this is a battle and a struggle that we must accept and we must be ready to fight. Now, from a biblical worldview, Satan, which we saw in the scripture, is the tempter. He's the deceiver. He is the chief agent of temptation. And we saw that he began that in the garden last week. Y'all remember that? You know, God gave them everything they want except one thing. And the one thing that he didn't give them, the devil made them think they had to have it. And because of that, sin came into the world, and the results of that is death, even to this day. We looked at how, uh, how temptation caused uh, David to, to uh, number the people when God didn't tell him to do so. And that was a tragic ending of that. And he went against wise counsel. And Jesus told us last week that when we're tempted, we need to make sure that during our prayer time, we ask God, don't lead me into that today. 
In other words, don't let things come in my life that may kill me. But if it do, God, give me the ability to get away from the evil one. So therefore, we got to add that to our prayer life. And then he told us also, Cliff, we need to be alert. Being alert means that, you know, you walk around, you expect it. Temptation. I'm expecting something to tempt me. And when you expect that, you're in warfare, you're expecting that, then you should know how to react to certain things when it come your way. It shouldn't catch you by surprise. After you done heard this message and you done seen what the Bible has said about this, you shouldn't walk out and be surprised when you get tempted. You ought to say, I was looking for that. It was coming. I was prepared. The word of God prepared me. Now today we're going to look at some people who had to resist some temptations, you know, that people deal with today. Now, I know this is written from a male perspective, but I believe these little things can work both ways. Is that all right? So in the book of Genesis, chapter 39, here we're going to find Joseph. After he had been put in prison in Egypt, he was sold into slavery uh, to one of Pharaoh's officers, Potiphar. And so he was living in Potiphar's house and serving Potiphar. And the thing about it is that David found favor with God. And because, not David, but Joseph, because he had found favor with God, get this now, and favor was on him, God blessed the house that he was serving in. Everything that he did was successful. And by him being successful at doing all that, his master saw that, and the Bible lets him know that, hey, look, he done put Joseph in charge of everything. Everything in his house but one thing he had no control over. And the one thing that he had no control over was the thing that tempted him. Kind of like, you know, in the garden, it was the one thing. He had control of the man whole house. The guy said, he don't even know what he eat except, like, you know. Everything he owned, I got, I'm a steward over it. I manage it for him. I take care of it. But he just told me that, you know, in that contract somewhere, I knew it was one thing that he had that I wasn't supposed to mess with. But that one thing won't mess with me. That's how temptation is. It got that one. It ain't doing a whole lot of things. Come here, you can fight. It's just that. And if you're not careful, that one thing will corner you. Let me read. I got to make this kind of, you know, easy to take because talking about temptation ain't easy. And, 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 and so I just want to make sure these are real because people go through these same things. Hey, don't just think this just happened to Joseph and then all of a sudden it's left. That men out there being tempted. Look at this. Verse 8. In, verse, in chapter 39, it says, But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one has more authority than I do. I'm a slave, but I got authority. He has held back nothing from me except you. Now, you would have thought that you're talking to a reasonable person, Finley. She understands you off limits. Your husband done told me. You all said, my master told me. Who is your husband? I'm all, he kept everything from me. I can have everything but you. And he said, why? Because you are his. 
So there's a special relationship that's supposed to be there with a husband and a wife. I know today they got these open relationships, open marriage. I don't understand how that works. That seems like just an oxymoron to me. I mean, you just got, you married, but you got an open relationship. Y'all young brothers got to tell me what that means. You know, I hear people, I mean, we married, we took these vows to say we're going to be, you know, one another, but we open. She must have looking for an open <laughs> relationship. She thought, uh, you know, let me move on, let me move on. Y'all may have some friends out there who are in open relationship, you know. They said, I love you. To death do us part, but the relationship is. He said, because you're his wife. He says, now look, how could I do such a wicked thing? He said, now sleeping with you would be. And it would be a great sin against God. Now you notice he didn't say against my master, against you, against myself. He let us know that sin is against it's just other people that is affected by the things that we do. But when we do it, it's against. And I think if Christians, we always remember that when we do things, we're doing it against God. If we think like that, then maybe some of the things we wouldn't do because we think, man, I'm doing this to. Against God. Now, you know how temptation is. It lingers around. It don't take no. She kept putting, somebody said pressure. You know, some people just can't handle pressure bust, bust pipes they used to have clear pressure. Pressure is just pressure. And everybody can't just handle brothers, if you know you can't handle pressure, then you ain't you don't need to be around if you can't you know if she putting pressure on you and you don't tell the Lord, Lord, I, I you know I, I wanna I you know I wanna do this thing, right? But she putting you better find a release valve somewhere. Because if not, <laughs> you're going to succumb to the, to the pressure. So she put pressure on Joseph day after day. You know pressure don't just come one time. When pressure is on you, it stays with you. But look at this. But he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her work way as much as possible. See, he couldn't tell her work. You know, he, he couldn't call me and say, I'm going to work from home today, <laughs> Potiphar. I ain't coming in because, you know, because he couldn't tell her why. So he had to say, you know, I'm feeling bad today. I'm a little sick. Because he couldn't call me and say, the reason I can't come to work is because your wife. I can't come to work today because if I come to work, your wife going to put. So he had to go and endure the pressure. Some of y'all calling in right now because y'all don't want to go to the pressures of your job. I don't feel like going. I don't want to, I don't want to call in. <laughs> don't let pressure keep you at home when you ought to be at your desk. I know it's the luxury of doing both. I ain't got no problem with that. But don't stay at home because of pressure. Stay at home because you just, you know, you can. You're going to do a good job or not. But don't say, I ain't going in because I'm on deal with then now you're giving in to the pressure. So now look, she kept putting pressure on him, but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, 
when no one else was around. And he went to work. He didn't call in sick. He had to go to work. And he found himself with him and her there by them there. You know, crush is real tough when you're by yourself with somebody. You know, brother, when you're out at the club with everybody and everybody sitting around the table, 10 or 12, ain't that much pressure. But when the 12 get down to 2 and y'all in y'all apartment, pressure. Don't get quiet right there. I don't know what you did. <laughs> don't get quiet. Please don't get quiet right there, man. Don't get quiet. If you're online, stay with me. Don't get quiet right there because you're under pressure. Just, I'm just going to tell you how to re release some of that pressure. Amen. If you want it. Because some of us like that type of temptation. We want to get out of it. But if you're looking for a way out, Joseph give you one here because she hemmed him up. Now, I know him and up can work both ways today. So, so I got to get that in because women think that way. You know, he just ain't like we on the hunt. We ain't the one hemming up. They hemming up. <laughs> if he got you hemmed up, look for a way. Now look at this. Had him him. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding. Come on, sleep with me. I mean, some of us don't even have to be the, don't have to be the man. Just say, come on. <laughs> Joseph at least made her the. Don't give in so quick, ladies. Don't give in so quick, brothers. At least make them demand. Let me move on. What they got to do with temptation? I'm going to tell you how you get out of there. Now look, y'all getting real quiet. Lord, have mercy. Help me right here. She says, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand, and he ran from the so the answer is, sometimes you just got to run. I mean, she got you hemmed up. You just got to. You know she going to hem you up when you get there. Don't even. You know that the move is coming. We done left the crowd. We one-on-one. -on -one. Pressure. And if you know you're going to give in to the pressure, you got to leave your coat. Run, you get the coat later. Tell him to mail it to you. Tell him to mail it to you. Joseph said there's something you just got to run away. Not just in that area, but in other areas of our lives. There's something you just got to run away from. It. You can't sit there and say, oh, I'm going to endure this. Like, no, no, no. Jesus told you last week, the flesh is. And when the spirit say, run, you need to. Now, get this, running don't always free you up because now when he didn't do that, she lied on the boy and he still ended up in prison because now she accused him of something he didn't. You done brought this little Hebrew here and look what he done did. Came in here and tried to get over on me like that. What kind of husband are you? Now, throw Joseph in the prison. But he found favor in prison. So sometimes you can run away from a situation that you may find favor in her. 
That may be somebody out there that ain't going to pressure you like that. They're just as good, just as cute, just as fine. Got, got all the acumen, what they said, the IQ and everything working for them. But no. I'm moving on. Let me go to the next one. Book of Job. I got to run for that. <laughs> Job found himself in a situation. Most of y'all know the story. Job was going through some severe trials. Job was going through some severe trials and suffering. He had lost his property, lost his children, and, you know, Satan was allowed to attack his health. Because at first, you know, he had this conversation with God, and he said, look, you know, as long as I don't touch him, he don't mind giving up other stuff. But let me put my hands on, you know, it's easy to watch other folks go through their suffering and their trials, but how are you going to act when they come to you? When it's going to touch your house, it's going to touch your body. It's easy to tell somebody else how to deal with their sickness and their disease, but how are you going to deal with it when it hits you? When everybody starts talking in your ear, saying things to you, you done already lost your children, you done lost your, you done lost your possession, now you're depressed, you're down now. Who are you going to trust when you done lost something? Job found himself, he had lost everything, and then now the enemy used his wife. Now, I don't want to again sound male chauvinist like I'm accused sometimes. The enemy can use the husband too. But in this scenario, it was the wife. The wife wasn't sick. The wife didn't have boils all over her body. The wife wasn't going through. It was the husband. The wife was supposed to be the kind and loving caregiver. You know, to take care. To death do us part. You know, that's what you're looking for when you get a wife or a husband. You think they're going to live up to the vows, Tanya. You think they're going to be there in tough times. You think that if it comes down to you got to care for them and then, you're going to think they ain't looking at the insurance policy and say, go ahead, check on her. Check on her. I know what you got. I'm tempted because I know what I'm going to get when you're gone. Check on Y'all better put what y'all want to happen y'all on y'all wheels and living wheels because some of you folks may check y'all out early. <laughs> Let me get back to Job here. Job suffering, going through. And you know, when you're looking for your helpmate, man or woman, your husband or your wife, man, you want them to comfort you in times like that. To be there to give you words of encouragement. But Job was tempted by his or could it be tempted by your husband? What I'm trying to get you to see here is that sometimes temptation can come through some people that's real close to you. You know, I heard the men talking about last week, I think, that last argument or something they were talking about. You know, sometimes you just get tempted to fight an argument. When all you got to do is just shut your mouth and keep it moving. But he wouldn't shut up. She wouldn't shut up. So because she wouldn't shut up, you was tempted to keep talking. And instead of de-escalating, sometimes the people that's close to you, you know, some of y'all married couples and y'all look good on Sunday morning. Because y'all got your right face on right now. What y'all like in the middle of the week when Jesus wasn't around? You weren't sitting in church. I mean, were you tempted to just raise your voice? Tempted. 
that you got on your last no, is there such a thing as a last one? But look like she touched the first one and you went off. <laughs> Tempted. So I'm trying to help some of you married folk, man, that know that sometimes the people that's closest to you can tempt you. And you're going to have to be like Job. You're going to have to learn how to just keep it to yourself. Because look at this. What his wife said. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? What does integrity mean to a married couple? Well, integrity means your vows. Love and the cherish, honor, all those things. Obey, submit, all, whatever y'all, them lovely words y'all put in y'all vows and talk about you going to do. Then that means that you got to hold fast to your end? Even though she done got on your? <laughs> so the woman said this to him, his wife. Curse God and die. Wow. Man, coming from your wife, man, here you are laying on your sick bed and just say, you know, somebody gave her the break to say, you know, she lost her children too. She was mourning. She lost her wealth too, so she could have been knowing that she couldn't go back and get her no, you know, no expensive stuff. She, she had to live poor now because she don't lost everything. So she was a little frustrated. And in her frustration, she get tempted and tell her husband, just go on and curse God and die. But I'm glad Job held on to his integrity and he didn't yield to the temptation. He says, she said, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women. Men can be foolish too. So let me kind of be equal in, our, in my approach here. That y'all are, some of y'all are married some foolish men. And they, and they just want to do some foolish thing. And you need to make sure that you ain't tempted by the fool. The devil is working through that person. And if you don't realize, you could be tempted because you don't realize what's behind that person. You just see the person. He says, you speak like the foolish women. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall not accept adversity? See, that's the problem with a lot of people Christian today. We sell you this bill of goods that, well, when you give your life to Christ, you know, everything's going to be all right. He's going to make everything all right. Jesus saves. He does it all. Da, 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 da. And we never tell them that you're going to go through. There's going to be some adversity that come in your life. You're just going to have a helper that can help you get through that adversity, and you don't have to deal with it like everybody else, but you're going to have adversity. And I think we got to stop telling people that everything in their life is going to change just because they got the Lord. No, it don't work that way. You're going to have to work your way through some things. And you're going to have to work your way through some adversities that are going to come in your life. And so therefore, when you come to the Lord, you ought to expect adversity because it comes from the word adversary. And you know you got an adversary, so you ought to expect that. And if he choose to work through your wife, you need to say, I, I knew this was coming. I knew sooner or later he was going to try to work through the person that's closest. And you know, sometimes, brothers, I know back in, in the day when ladies and never here, we couldn't take honest shots and be quiet. 
Because, you know, we got these little things called little ego. And sometimes sister doesn't know what the ego is and know what you ain't. Then when she hits you there, you can't resist the temptation. You got to come back when you just say, you got me there. I just got to confess. You got me. Let me just leave this alone and go. Because I don't want to lose my integrity because you just told me. Look at this. Brother, y'all better hear this. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. <laughs> Man, I think the divorce course would be a lot less folk in it if we wouldn't sin with our... Man, words are powerful. And you can say things to people where they remember your words long after your action. You know, that's why I tell brother, man, when you get in an argument with your wife, and now David, man, we got members too. You said it five years ago. They still got it in the bank, man. They still got it. Don't think, don't think it's gone. <laughs> you thought to me, you know, forgave me five years ago. And all of a sudden you have a, <laughs> lately you talking about that refresh and reboot or whatever, but that didn't go away. When the refresh took place, that made it through the refresh. You thought it was over because you said it five years ago. And then now, something you said five years ago is going to cause you to sin with your lips today. The enemy don't play fair. And so because we know that, we, get, we can't be tempted with our mouth. You know, that this tongue is a wicked little thing. It'll say some things that you just don't didn't think you would say. So because we know that, we got to make sure that when people tempt us, we don't lash out with words that we can't bring. Let me move on. I was just trying to help somebody because I've been there. You said, and then I was like, oh, honey, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. That, that, that dog don't hunt. It said. It, it's there now. It's almost like saying, you know, well, you know, you got shot. But yeah, I ain't dead, but I'm still bleeding. I'm still wounded. And sometimes I think when we say things to people, we don't see the wounds and we think they're all right, but they still... Your words wound people. And if those people are not strong enough to not yield to your words, then what happens is it destroys relationships. Joe said he not sin with his lips. Let me move on. Let's go to Daniel real quick. All these guys are good. These guys who did all right when they was tempted. Y'all know the story. Daniel and the Hebrew boys uh, enslaved in Babylon. They were selected to be a part of the king's court. You know, he took some of the best-looking guys and, you know, brought them in. In other words, I want to indoctrinate them into the Babylonian way, to the way we do things here. And so, therefore, we're going to educate them, put them in our system, change the way they think. We're going to change the way they dress. We're going to change the way they eat. We're going to change all these things about them because they're going to be around the king now. They're going to have access to the king. They're going to be close to power. And these are foreigners. These are folks that are enslaved, but we're going to give them an opportunity. We want to bring them in, and we're going to change the way they think. They changed their names. 
You know, that's what's happened when you brought in the captivity. We want to change your identity, change who you are, so we change your name. But I can change your name, but I shouldn't be able to change your heart. If the right thing is in your heart and you remember what was put in your heart before you went into captivity, then you ought to still do the things in your heart, even though your name. So they had a requirement that they wanted them to eat certain things. And Daniel was determined that he wasn't going to eat anything that would defile his body. And not just his body, but defile and cause him to go against what God had told him. God had, at that time had them on a, on a dietary restriction. You know, they, they couldn't eat. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't eat barbecue ribs right now from, from the pig. They couldn't eat that. Daniel, even though that may be a delicacy, they couldn't eat no pig feet. Couldn't eat none of that stuff. None of that stuff that, you know, we look at today and it's a delicacy today. Back then, they didn't eat that. You know, they couldn't eat lobster. Because that was in the law. Now, y'all ain't on the law because, you know, I ain't going to talk about lobster tail, but we eat lobsters. They couldn't eat shrimp. And some of y'all say eating shrimp is a sin. Lord, help me. Because <laughs> them shrimp tempt me. I ain't giving up my shrimp. So I'm glad, I'm glad Paul came along later and said, you know, just bless it. It ain't what goes in you that's going to mess you up. It's going to coming out of you. So just bless it. But Daniel knew that he, at that time he had to follow the law he had been taught. And so now he's in captivity, and it's easy to be indoctrinated when you're held captive. And so now what happens here is that look what Daniel them do. Daniel, verse 8, says this. Daniel, and I'm in chapter 1 of, of Daniel. He says, Daniel purposed in his heart. Somebody say in his heart. In his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. You know, he wasn't even baloney. You know, y'all, some of y'all grew up on Spam. Now they made Spam a delicacy, but when I came up, when you ate spam, you poor. Man, with no, there was no fried spam and then putting no the avocado on top of it. Man, you, you, when we saw the spam can, that meant we were. When we saw that red rim bologna that you had to go get sliced up, we, we, knew, we knew we were. But now, but now, you know, people spam is a delicacy. I wish they had told me that when I was a little boy. Some of the things that we ate then, that now people make a delicacy. And so what he's saying, now look, the king must have ate good. He says, now, I ain't going to even drink his wine. <laughs> look, I ain't going to eat his food. I ain't going to drink. And I'm a slave. And he auditioned me to be one of those that can come in his presence and serve him. And I'm telling him, I ain't going to eat that. Therefore, he requested of the chief eunuch that he might not defile himself. Now look at this. When he made a, a decision to stand with God, God found, he found favor with the eunuch. Look at this. Verse 9 said, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill with the chief eunuch. And now I'm in prison, but I got an ally that's on the other side. And now I'm finna put him in a position where he got to make a choice. Because look at this. And the chief eunuch said to Daniel, I fear my Lord the king. Now look at this. You got to understand this. I'm in charge of you guys. The king gave me an order. Y'all supposed to eat this. Y'all supposed to drink this. Y'all supposed to do this. Because at the end of this time, he wants y'all to look good. Y'all just can't look and stand before him looking any kind of way. I'm feeding y'all so that at the end of the day, y'all going to look like the rest of these kids that he's bringing up. I want you to look 
good. And I can't defy what the king said because defying the king then will cost him his He says, I fear my Lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. Now you know, <laughs> he said, look Dan, I, I like you, but I ain't willing to put my neck on the chopping block all because you don't want to eat them ribs. You don't want to eat them ribs. You won't, all because you won't eat them pig feet. That's a delicacy. The king liked those. He wanted his boys to eat those. And all of a sudden, now you want me to put my neck on the chopping block for you? But God was working in his heart. And Daniel came over to play and gave him an alternative. See, sometimes when you're tempted to do something, you need to make sure you got to offer that person an alternative. Sometimes when you're trying to break some of your temptation, you know you don't start binging on certain things. You know, some of y'all are binge watchers now. You get on Netflix or whatever them flicks is. They got so many of them out now. You're streaming this, streaming that. I mean, you just, you binge. I mean, you can't wait to, you know, Sunday afternoon you leave church. You know, from now to 10 o'clock, you're going to be. <laughs> you, supposed to, you ain't supposed to watch the whole series in one night. You're you on year three. Episode four, and it's still the same. You're binging. And now all of a sudden the Lord speaks to your heart and says, hey, stop binging. Then when he tells you that and you attempt to do it, you better put something else in it. Because if you don't, you don't, you don't realize what you're binging on, you are addicted. So Daniel offered an alternative. Look at this. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief eunuch has set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The bad Negro. That's how we used to say it in the Baptist church, you know, the bad Negro. But look at this. All of them names were changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when you look up those names, those names were named after idol. God's. And so what they did, we can't stop you from changing our names. But we can disagree with you when it comes to evil. You can call it what you want, but my heart ain't going to let me defile myself by eating what you put in. Now look at this. So Daniel made a deal and said, please test your servant for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. And see, don't our appearance look better? I'm trusting God that I, you know, Brother Major, you're a vegan. You should, you should be shouting right there. Because you, you're, you're a living testimony that water and vegetables can make you look good. Stand up, Major. Let everybody see you. Let everybody see what you That's That man. Vegetables. I saw him at the gym the other day. Doing miles on that machine. So eating vegetables is not taking away his stamina to work out. I eat almost everything but me. And after 30 minutes, I'm done. <laughs> Major, Major still working. So I'm trying to help some of y'all to say vegetables is okay. Amen. 
It will help you. That's, what, that's the diet that they was on originally. Then God let them eat meat again, and they brought it back. But, but I'm not telling you and advocating to be a, a vegetarian. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying with your beef and your pork and your whatever else you eat and your oxtails and neck bones, make sure you got some vegetables. Make sure you give your children... Because they will eat all around everything else on the plate. They got the french fry, they got this, they got that all gone and everything left at them. They just don't like those. They ain't going to like them until you tell them they're good for them. So if you're going to do something for them, withhold the french fries and give them something else at this place that may be healthy. Let me move on. So Daniel gave my alternative. So y'all know the story. After 10 days, they look better. And three years into this thing, you're going to find out that not only they look better, they perform better. Now, don't get me wrong. The Babylonian Empire, this empire at this time, these were smart people. But after 10 days, Daniel was just as smart and longer. And when they went through this process, and at the end of this, we found out that even the king, because of Daniel and them steadfastness, when they put the boys in the fiery furnace, the king had to acknowledge who their God was. So because they held on to their integrity, they didn't give in because they were in captivity, it, it, it stood as a testimony to the people who was holding them captive. So sometimes when things come to tempt us, we can't give in because you're not giving in could be a testimony to those who are watching you. Let me move on. Let me, I'm almost done. Peter, in the book of Acts, was tempted. I heard the brothers kind of talking about this today, you know. He was, money was, you know, money. You know, sometimes money is a tempter. Amen. The gospel had started to spread all over the place. You know, and one sign, the one that was then done down in Samaria, and the boys from Jerusalem wanted to go down there and see what was happening. And when they got down there, Peter and his company, the Holy Spirit fell on those people just like it fell on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. And then there was this guy named Simon the Sorcerer. So that was other people who could work arts and magic that can do things that will amaze you and put you in wonderment. There are people today who can steal uh, a good in this art of magic and wonders and sign that can do it. That's why we go out to places and see people perform on the stage and we want to know where did the rabbit come from? Where did this come from? How did he do that? How did he get saw that? People can make things look and appear to be something that they're really not because you don't know. You're a disillusion. you got a disillusionment about it, and therefore you think that, wow! But if you just know what's behind the trick, you can sit down and say, I know how you're going to pull that rabbit out there. There's art to it. I, got, I don't read the book. I know how you're going to sort it in half. I know how they're going to put these mirrors in here and make me think I see one thing with another thing. I know the sleight of hands. I ain't going to, uh -uh, I ain't moving my eyes. I'm going to stay focused on what I'm going watching. And see, what you got to understand, the devil can be a magician. And if you are not sensitive and alert, he can work some things on you and use some things against you. So here this happens is that, look at this. Peter and them go there. The, the miracle is performed. The people speak in tongues like they did on Pentecost. And now all of a sudden, this magician say, look, it, I want some of that. Man, I got my art bag here with all my stuff in it, Dan. But look here. I want some of that, Peter. And look here, I'm willing to by. Money is a powerful tempter. Amen. Money is a powerful 
tempter. There is money in and of itself, I heard the brother say this morning, is amoral. It's good nor bad. You can do good things with money, you can do bad things with money. But when it becomes your God, and it controls you, and you'll do anything for it, then, then you will do things that you never thought you believed. Because there's some people out there who believe that everybody got a... What's your price? If everybody got a... What's to, you get to that point where money will tempt you to the point that it becomes your God and you'll do anything for it and do anything to get it. You know, I almost, I was tempted to bring y'all in here and pay, take us back for a moment, Cliff, today, but I didn't want to sound like they're going to say, Pastor, done got real worldly up there. But I was going to play a little piece of, for the love of money for y'all. Because the OJs really hit it on the head right there. You know, they, man, that thing, they hit it. People do, do things. Do things. Bad. Some people got to have it. Some people rob and steal to get it. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say, they was on to something. And they say, the love of money, not money, but it's the You can't fall in love with money because then now you're going to have another God. It will become your God. So look at this. Going back to what Peter had to deny. He says in verse 8, and I'm in Acts chapter 10, he says, when Simon saw the Spirit was given when the apostles laid hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. He says, leave me, let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that I may lay hands on people and they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. There ought to be some things in life that you just can't pay for. And so therefore, Peter had, the, had the, 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 the ability to turn down the temptation when money was there. Whereas Judas, for 30 pieces of silver, sold Jesus out. And see, what I'm trying to tell you, money is a tool. And money makes an excellent servant, but it's a ruthless master. When you become a slave to it, you'll do things that you didn't think you would do. God ain't got no problem with you having it. The church needs money. If they're going to do missionary work around the world and going to help people in the community, run an outreach ministry like Synergy, we couldn't do it without money. But the church can't get so caught up in money to the point that greed get in the, in the church. And then now when greed get in the church, and somebody was talking about the message this morning, I can start forming all of my messages around money and make you think that the only way you can be successful is to have money. And then the more you have, the more you give to me. And therefore I can look like I'm successful too because I got money don't always make you successful. There are a lot of folks who got money and fail in every every day. I'm not anti-money. I keep money in my wallet. I ain't anti-money. But I am anti-greed and not using money to glorify God. If God has blessed you with it, it ought to be used to bring glory. Young people, you can't be chasing paper. 
Because the Bible said once you get that desire in you, it's hard to turn it. Because you never get a You never get enough of it. And so God said, hey, I don't have no problem with you having it. I bless people and they had it in the Bible. But I had a problem when they fell in love with it. I want another bond. I want this. I got this and I got that. Now I need me another bond. Now I can rest and just wait a minute. What if your life and your soul is required right now? What is that other bond? going to do for you. I, I know you got it like that, but what is going to do for you when it's time for you to check out of here? So what I suggest you do, use it for God's glory while you're living. Put your kids' stuff aside, all you want them to have. Don't leave them all of your... Because some of them go... <laughs> It's best to do some things to bless others. Bless your children. I ain't saying that. Don't bless your children. Bless it if you ain't got nothing to bless them with. Then you need to go out today and get your insurance policy. Nothing else. So my point is this, is that it's a tool that God wants us to use, but he don't want us to fall in, in love with it. And some people used to say in the old days, Cliff, I can tell where you, what you love if I can look at your checkbook. Now y'all don't keep checkbook. Right? Let me just see your debit account. Let me just look at that. I can tell where you love. Because you, what you put your money in, that's where your heart is. I'm almost done. So he said this. You can't buy a gift. If someone has given you a gift, they don't expect you to offer them money for it. That's why it's called a gift. But if you have a love for money, then, man, that'd be sick to give somebody a gift and then they give you $200 back for you something you paid $50 and you're tempted and you take it. I gave you a gift. I didn't expect nothing back. And so therefore, we shouldn't try to buy God's gifts. The things that God has given to us, people shouldn't have to pay for. They shouldn't have to pay to get saved, Tanya. They shouldn't, they shouldn't, they shouldn't have to lay a blessing at my feet and hope that God would touch them and bless them. Their obedience can cause blessing to come in their life. You don't have to buy a blessing from God. But, but, but if I, you don't know no better, I can say, well, you come and lay this at my feet, then now you are sowing a blessing seed that's going to be, then if you're hungry for money and you think that seed going to come back a thousand times more, you're going to be up here. Amen. Last passage real quick. First Timothy 6, 9 kind of support this. It says, look, 6, 9, and 10 says, but people who long, somebody say long, long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires 
that plunged them into ruin and destruction. People have chased paper and lost their family, lost a lot of relationships, lost a lot of things trying to get more. Because it's a tempter. And let me move on. He says, now look, for the love of money is the root. Somebody say the root. The root of all kinds of evil. Not money, but the love of money. All kind. A lot of things that happen in our country, you can trace it back to things changing, things going up, people doing this with our system. It's money is at the root of that thing. Market changes with one word. Why? Because somebody can tell somebody else to say a word at a certain time and millions of dollars can be made. Because if that person is greedy, I'm going to pay him to say what I need him to say in order to get what I need to get. Money. Plunge people into ruins and destruction. He said, now look, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrowful worries of many sorrowful things. So I'm just going to end with this. Don't let money rule you. Triumph over your temptation when it comes to money. The people that don't have it sometimes will do anything. And the people that got it know that. That's why they used them as pawn because they would do anything to. And so if you understand that it's a tempter, then you got to say, God, when it comes to money, just like everything else, give me a way out. Give me a way out. Don't let me turn into a greedy person that want to hoard it all up, hoard it all up. Man, that's why I like one of the things that Warren Buffett said. Now, this guy's got it, but he's still modest. He lives in a modest home. He don't live in a mansion, but he could. But this guy said, I want to die broke. Man, that means he got a lot of giving to do. If he want to die broke, because one time he wanted the richest man in America, but now you know they got it. this guy Elon. Elon, Elon must got it like that. Can you imagine if he Elon walked up to you suddenly, and his name Elon, the one that just bought what that we just bought Twitter? Say Finley, I know you got a price. I just need you to do this for me, and I'll, I'll give you one billion dollars if you do it. Feeling you smiling. <laughs> and you know it go against God's word. But he believed in that I can tempt him with money. He's a rising star. I'm going to help him get there faster. So, Finley, you know, a billion dollars will get you there before this long work. You got to work 15 years, maybe your whole life, and you don't get a billion. I know you're rolling in it right now, but you can have some more zeros. All I need you to do is do. And you know what, because of this, I just want you to do it on Twitter. Just get out there and start tweeting. Can you imagine how the world is going to change right now? Y'all think y'all listen to foolishness out there?
there's going to be some people that's going to be tempted to say, now they're already saying some stuff they normally wouldn't say, but now they're going to be saying that. And if you are a person who is not smart enough to understand what the Word of God says and what the climate that we live in, you could be tempted by something that you think is a credible thought, a credible comment, and then you are now acting unwise, all because you have been tempted. Amen. I'm through preaching. You know, I'm just trying to learn and stay current, man, because I'm, I'm trying to learn about them bitcoins and crypto. But that's way over my head. Because I just can't figure it out. I'm, I'm a dollars and cents, man. Give me some, but you tell me this crypto stuff. Somebody could tell me with that right now. Say, hey, man, you just put a little money in this crypto, you'll be there. Though. I mean, what? Crypto? Yeah. Well, you know, they got some big time people advertising crypto. I trust him because he said crypto is the way to go. Many things can tempt you when it comes to money. And ain't nothing wrong with it, but just don't let it become your. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap and praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We have several appeals that we want to make. First, our appeal is for salvation. If you're here and you want to give the Lord your life, make him your, life, make him your master. And I just ask that you raise your hands right now if you're online. I just ask that you just send us an instant message and let us know your decision. Or you can give us a call here to church at 850-862-3899. If that is you, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. I see no hands raised. If you're here today or online and you want to be a part of Striving for Perfection Ministries and the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart, saying this is the place that you feel like you can continue to grow and be challenged uh, in the things of God, and, and learn more about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If that is you, please raise your hand. Truly, we'd love to have you as a member of this body. If that is your desire, please raise your hand. If you're online, we just ask that you just send us an instant message also or give us a call. If that is you, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Then my last appeal is for prayer. I ask that you set your hearts on whatever concerns that you may have, whatever issues that's going on in your life, or you want to intercede for someone else, please set your heart and mind for that at this time. Because we believe that the prayers of the righteous avail much. That your prayers can, be, can work in other people's lives. So you may be doing all right right now. But I just ask for you to focus on someone else right now. Take the focus off of you and just focus on someone else. And just devote this time to meditating or praying that God will move in that person's life. In whatever way you desire that move to take place. Hallelujah. 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 Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you again for another great day that you prepared. God, we continue to rejoice and be glad in it. And now, God, as a body, we come and each and every one of us lift up our concerns and our cares to you. Even our praise, God, that we want to give you praise for the things you've done in our life. But also, God, we take a moment to intercede for those uh, who you placed a call on our minds and, and in our hearts. Right now, we lift up a prayer for them. Whatever that need is, whatever that concern is, God, we pray that you meet that need, that you meet that concern. God, that you comfort them and give them peace, God, whatever it may be. And God, I thank you for those prayer warriors who are sitting in these seats right now, God, realizing that as they cry out, you hear them. I thank you for the righteous people that are sitting under the sound of my voice today, God, because we stand on the truth of your word. 
And we believe that when the veil of the temple was rent, God, you gave all of us access to you. So right now, God, we come and take advantage of that access that we have on behalf of others. And we thank you for what you're going to do in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. amen. Say amen again. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.